What's up, everybody? Welcome back inside the Horseshoe for the Monday after Ohio State 56, Indiana 14. Uh, you know the crew by now. That's the 40-year vet, Tim May. That's Andy Backstrom. I'm Spencer Holbrook. Uh, fellas, let's talk about this game uh, on a 37-degree, partly sunny, uh, but kind of cold uh, Monday morning, the Monday after Ohio State 56, Indiana 14, Tim. Uh, first thoughts on the rewatch, Tim? Well, first thought is they didn't turn the heat on in here. So it's, it's literally the same temperatures when we stood here, uh, what was that, uh, 48 hours ago, or 40, 40 hours ago. Yep. So I've got that uh, bone to pick with my buddy Larry. Uh, first thought is Ohio State hammered Indiana. Yes. Uh, yeah, they left, the, they left the first string in for that fourth quarter uh, to get uh, Cam Babb a touchdown. You got to believe that was part and parcel to it. <laughs> Brian, they said they, they put the first string back in there because Indiana had just scored. Well, Indiana had just scored because Ohio State muffed it, second straight punt. Poor Reese Stocksdale. I hope he gets over that. Yeah. Uh, whether we'll see him again this season in that kind of role, I doubt it. You yeah. know, he had a tough two uh, punch there, but what a great young man he is. And of course, he's Marvin Harrison Jr.'s best friend. And, uh, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. is the guy that gave him some, uh, a little bit of, uh, we're gonna call some encouragement. He's coming off the field and he kept going, no, it's mine. So I did, I did watch the replay. Uh, but what stood out was, for the most part, how Ohio State's offensive line and defensive line carried the day. I mean, we're in charge about 95% of the time. There were some times, and we'll get to that in a minute, but that is big uh, at this moment in, in a season. But I keep telling everybody that was against Indiana, one of the worst teams in the country. You think it's the worst I think FBS team in the country. No, worst power five. Worst power five, excuse me. Worst power five team in the country, which makes him in the running for one of the worst FBS teams in the country. So uh, that's my take on that is Ohio State handled business like it should have. Andy. Yeah, it's kind of like when you play an FCS team, you're supposed to win by a ton. And if you do, it's not good on you. It's, well, you should have done that. So right. even though Ohio State played pretty well and we talked about the offensive line playing a lot better and having a little bit of a statement game. All five of those starting offensive linemen had PFF offensive grades over 70. But again, people will say, well, it's against Indiana. So it's one of those things we'll have to prove it and prove it and prove it again. Yeah. But overall, they played pretty well. And uh, the short yardage situation is something that Ryan Day is still frustrated about. But in watching it back again, there was really only a couple times where they didn't convert on traditional running situations. Yeah. The one that we were talking <laughs> about was that fourth and one actually down in the red zone with Dallin Hayden couldn't get the first down there. That's probably the one he's thinking about that sticks out. But in reality, they weren't that bad. Like mine, Williams had two conversions on third down before he got hurt. Yeah, one went to the house. One went to the house. That was a third and one. He took 48 yards to the end zone. So overall, not as bad as it sounded like in those short yard situations. I just think a few that stuck out to me. Yeah, and, 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 and the Mitch Rossi inside handoff, all that broken eye. Was a, was a short yardage play, which I know, I'm, I'm thinking that's the one that really bothered Ryan Day because Tim, you know, they 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 got nothing. I mean, they they got there were so much penetration on that play, it was crazy. That play was blocked play side. I drew up a little diagram, put it on the Letterman Lounge message board on the rewatch. I, I posted a lot of things on there that I noticed the second time watching through. That play was blocked well play side. The left side of the line moved guys, and there was a hole for Mitch Rossi, and when he was coming, he dart, just get there. if he was darting across. That was on the two tight ends on the right side of the offensive line who just completely got blown up yeah. by former Ohio State commit and true freshman Indiana defender, Desan McCullough. I mean, <laughs> backside. It's a moment. Backside, do your job. Yeah. And you convert a first down there. Mitch Rossi's probably still running because that there was a there was a crease. It, it, you know and, what? You make a good point there, though. 
fourth and one against Florida in the national championship game back in 2000, 2006 season. Woo, time machine. Guy comes backside. Alex Boone basically didn't touch him or barely touched him. He tackles Beanie Wells. If Beanie Wells had gotten to the hole, he might have run 10 yards before anybody hit him. But you've always got to take care of the of the front. You know what I mean? No matter what. I mean, you like you're just pointing out, it's it's a it's a it's a true team game up there. Yep. You, this can be well blocked, but you still got to get there. Yep. Back and you know, so that's the backside issue. My big issue right now with the with the short yardage situation is, so I've bounced around on what who the culprit is, what the problem is. Here's where I've landed. Uh-oh. Ohio State averages 10 yards of play against Indiana out of whatever it's doing spread-wise. Third and one, it brings in the heavies, goes completely flip of its identity, and tries to get a yard. Well, if you're averaging 10 yards of play on every other play except for the one you go heavy on, the hell are you going heavy for? Because uh, you can get ten, if you can get 9, 10 yards of play. To prove a point? Yeah. It's to prove a point. I understand that. To move the earth? But you don't have to prove a point if the point doesn't need proven. You're proving that you can get nine, 10 yards of play on every other play. So I don't is know- Is Muhammad if, gonna go to the mountain or the mountain gonna come to Muhammad? I don't know if the heavy- I'm just trying to throw all my cliches in there. I can I can hear that. Uh, I don't know if the the heavies are the the solution to getting those those short yarded situations. They Wait, can, can, can be, interrupt, can, they can be, but they don't have to be. Can I interrupt real quick? I agree with you hundred percent. I mean, Put five guys down in there and 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 array your 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 wide receivers and with a running back now defense. What are you going to do? Because this is one of the more accurate quarterbacks I've ever seen in history, uh, who can throw a slant on the on the numbers about as well as I've seen in history. Uh, who could you can have the whatever? I mean, there are all kinds of options open to you. Why try to why try to uh, hit that nail? You know, when you don't necessarily have to hit that nail. I, I'm with you 100. percent But there is something to as, as Ryan Day said, and we were all talking about after the Michigan game a year ago, there's something about just showing you're the toughest guy on the block. Uh, Michigan did that last year. In the second half of that game, Michigan was the toughest team in the stadium. And that's that's stuck in this team's cross, definitely stuck in Ryan Day's cross, why he made all these changes, you know? And uh, you understand why he's doing it, but boy, when there's a season on the line, get it the best way you can get it, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's the point you're making. Yeah, uh, you know, if Tennessee had a third and one or fourth and one, Heupel's not going to bring out three tight ends and six offensive linemen and try to mash it down somebody's throat. He's going to do what he does, yeah, best offense. So, you know, and I'm not saying that Josh Heupel is, is amazing. It's just one example. I, I'm, I'm hesitant to, to believe that Ohio State should only go heavy in third and fourth and one. Uh, I don't know where you land on this, Andy, but it, it kind of stuck out to me that you don't always have to be in, you know, 11 guys up tight to get a third and fourth and one. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, we looked at the way that Ohio State spreads teams out. There was one play against Indiana where they lined up Julian Fleming wide, wide outside. We talked about this play at first. We saw him lying out there. What is he doing out there? Of course, comes in on a slant. CJ Stroud hits him perfectly in stride. Goes for like 12 yards. Yeah. And that's a play there. Yeah. If you line up on third and one, maybe you stretch them out instead of you know, trying to line up in a heavy. But I do think kind of what Tim's saying, like it's to prove a point. And Ryan Day admitted that, that it's some stubbornness. He was yeah. asked about it. He's like, yeah, I want to prove a point. And I think that part of that is going the whole season, preparing for Michigan a little bit at a time and wanting to be prepared for that game, regardless of what the weather is, regardless of how tough you have to be to win to be able to convert in those situations. So maybe it's a little bit less about how do we 
convert all of our third downs against Indiana, <coughs> more so about how do we prepare for situations like that against Michigan. So I think that's partly what it is and part of its stubbornness. But I agree with you that you could have more variety because if you do, then you're probably going to be more successful when you do go to the heavies. Yeah. And if you jump into that box with everybody against Michigan, you you know, you're kind of playing, you're kind of, in, it, you're kind of letting Michigan dictate, you know, for example, yes, what you're all about, yep. as opposed to you dictating what you're all about. I mean, this team is all about, man, just having the most wide open passing offense you've ever seen. That's what this team is all about. And running the ball, spreading the field, and running the ball between those creases. Yep. You know, uh, uh, and I, I, don't, I don't know, if the, it had to bother. Of course it did. It bothered Ryan Day to have so many aspersions cast his team's way at the end of the year last year. He, Like I said, he made all these wholesale changes, especially in the coaching staff, to get that fixed. Uh, but really, you're getting it fixed for maybe two games a year, three games a year. Yeah, there are going to be moments when you've got to line up and get one yard. Yep. But that doesn't mean you got to line up and get one yard like Michigan does or like Georgia does or like Alabama does. You can line up and get it the way you do it. And uh, I'm not preaching him at all because I – I thought a lot of this was needed. I thought that team did like a little bit of a uh, crisp, crisp, crispness. That's hard for me to say. Crisp, crispness in real physical situations last year. Anybody could see that. Yep. Uh, but now it's all about getting the W. And we'll we'll see where it goes. I mean, the where where you want to prove it. And the reason he got upset is you know. Golly, this is Indiana. We should be able to run almost anything against this defense, which is really poor, as you said. Yep. One of the worst in Power Five, teams in Power Five. And a couple times, or one time in particular, they didn't get it done. And, of course, that stuck with him because that was a point of emphasis all week yep. after coming out of that Northwestern game. If you're keeping track of home, folks, we've mentioned Indiana just three times. We've mentioned Michigan five times, and we have not said the word Maryland yet. Maryland. Uh, we're – we're inching closer toward a uh, showdown for the ages, as the kids would say, uh, here in, in the horseshoe here in a couple weeks. But first, Ohio State's got to go to Maryland. Um, not a lot defensively to break down. Um, maybe a little bit of quarterback run issues, but I think that was just more on the defensive line, getting after uh, the Indiana quarterbacks and, and then breaking a, a little loose. Um, I don't think that's a concern. I was wondering where you guys fell on that on the rewatch. I, thought, I think it's a non-issue. Uh, right now, um, but with Talia Tonga-Vailoa and uh, J.J. McCarthy on the schedule, it might become an issue uh, if the Buckeyes can't keep contained. I think that's something worth noting right now. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know where to stand on that because, number one, you got to cover. Number two, uh, I think Jim Knowles is pretty smart. I think yep. he sees some lessons that have been learned, especially against the young man from Toledo, whose name I always dig, dig Daquan Finn. Mm -hmm. Wow, that guy's as good a running quarterback as I've seen this year, except maybe Justin Fields. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, you gotta you gotta figure the Detroit Lions uh, harped on Justin Fields being able to run too, and he went to the house. Yeah, that was amazing. Still didn't win the game. But uh, I digress. Uh, yeah, what what that that would be a weapon that Michigan would use to keep these drives, these nitpicking drives alive that they like to run, and and keep maintaining a, a ball control in that game. They definitely got to have a handle on that. Uh, this week, I don't think, is that kind of uh, challenge. No. You know, Talia, whoever ends up playing quarterback for Maryland, Talia Tungabaloa, whoever ends up playing quarterback for Maryland eventually, uh, I don't think they're that kind of threat. But uh, I didn't think I didn't think the quarterback got away too much on Saturday, to be honest with you. I mean, he wanted to run. 
Uh, he got he got away a couple of times, but he also got bushwhack <laughs> a couple of times, and that kind of put a little bit of a took a little bit of the edge off of his running. I don't know if you agree or not. Yeah, I think it was just a little bit of that zone read game, Andy. Yeah, and I think one thing you have to consider too is how much do they think they were going to see of Dexter Williams? Yeah. Connor Bazelak was the starter. Yeah. He's taken the bulk of snaps this year. Yeah, he missed the previous week with an injury, but he was back and he was healthy enough to start. So I don't think any of us expected him to get pulled after the second series. I mean, things weren't going well. Six plays, 10 total yards, two three and outs. And I don't know if Ryan Day and Jim Knowles and the rest of the staff knew that they were going to be getting Dexter Williams in that capacity. Yeah. So maybe you don't prepare as much for it, but I think you should always be prepared for the quarterback yeah. run. I just don't think that maybe it was emphasized as hey, much as I it also, was. Have you ever seen the worst display of passing the ball? Oh, yeah. I bad. mean, I've seen some worse, but not that was right up there of just standing and just throwing it. And who cares where it I mean, that was hard to watch. I'm talking about from an Indiana standpoint. Uh, yeah, it was. Wow. Yeah, between Iowa and Indiana, we've seen our fair share of terrible passing. Oh, wow. This year. Uh, yeah, Andy, I agree with you. And also, one thing that I'm starting to consider is the fact that Jim Knowles has been okay with giving up a little bit of quarterback run when he's up 35 or when he's up uh, 28, as long as he's not showing what he's going to do in bigger situations. Um, you know, he saw you saw it against Toledo. Daquan Finn got loose a little bit. Um, they were spying him, but I don't think they were doing anything out of the ordinary defensively to you know show how they're going to defend a good quarterback on the run in the running game because they were up so much. The same can be said, uh, you know, against Indiana here on Saturday. I, they stayed basically in in the base defense, minus a little bit of Jack Sawyer. Put a little bit of Jack Sawyer in there uh, on the blitzes, blitzed Lathan Ransom a little bit just to show that. Maybe put that on film uh, for teams to consider here in the future. But a lot of it was base stuff. And so maybe I'm overreacting a little bit. I just thought that the, the read option was an interesting little layer that Ohio State might need to, to make sure is shored up. Uh, but overall, I thought this was probably the best game Ohio State's played in totality since the Michigan State game, Tim. Yeah, you know, you brought up Jack Sawyer. I mean, his second, I think it was his second sack where he they ran a little gambit where uh, defensive tackle. I'm trying to remember the defensive tackle. Teron Vincent. Yeah, ran basically flashed across the guard into the tackle uh, uh, area, and Sawyer just kind of looped in. It was like it was like one of the great great blocking plays you're going to see offensively. Just looped in and had a straight shot at the quarterback. <laughs> I mean, Jack Sawyer stepped it up a notch on Saturday, without a doubt. Like I say, I'm couching it with who they were going against. Uh, that was a team very much in disarray on this offensive front. You know, you, you see why the offensive line coach was fired mid-season. Uh, it was just like a hodgepodge of stuff going on from their offensive front, I'm talking about Indiana's. But Ohio State definitely took advantage of that. And uh, uh, I think the main thing you got out of that was some guys finally getting their oats. You know what I mean? Yeah. Jack Sawyer finally got the feet at the trough, so to speak. I yeah. mean, we've been expecting this all year. But it's hard for if one guy's having a good game for another guy to have a good game because the defense is off the field. You know what yeah. I mean? So you go on to the next deal. Uh, uh, Tunga Valoa, I mean, uh, uh, JT Tui Molowau, I'm getting get my names mixed up there. JT Tui Molowau, I think, looked pretty good on Saturday as much as he played and stuff. Uh, and then Teron Vincent continued his tour. I think Teron Vincent is having a uh, second half of probably his final season at Ohio State. Yeah. Right? I think he's having a tremendous tour so far. 
and uh, we'll see if he can step that up because if he does, man, it changes everything. It changes everything for that defense. Andy, it's interesting because Teron Vincent, actually a guy that I came into this show wanting to talk about. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate You're that. Andy, he has a, I'm just going to say, he has a poor PFF grade. I think it's 60. I think he's been two games in the 30s. And I think that's because sometimes I love PFF and sometimes I hate it because Teron Vincent takes on more double teams than maybe any player in the country right now just because of the way this defense runs. He's, he's, he's attacking guard tackle, center guard a lot yep. and eating those up and making plays for other guys. He deserves a lot of credit here, um, but the numbers don't really really show that right now. Yeah, and I think there's obviously confidence in him because, you know, the staff has been rolling with him playing consistently 50 or more snaps. Yeah. Michael Hall snaps have been going down, and I know he's been dealing with a bit of an injury too, so I think that's part of it. But the rest of that defensive line is rotated pretty heavily. But Teron Vincent's kind of an anchor in there right now, and I think part of that is because he draws those double teams. Jack Sawyer said that they thank him profusely for yeah. that. And I think that's very real, and that doesn't show up in the stat sheet. And when you're playing into your defensive line, often what most of what you do doesn't show up in the stat sheet. So the numbers for defensive tackles are hard to read a lot of the time anyway. I think yeah. that the number of snaps he's been playing consistently of late shows just how well he's playing and how much confidence the Ohio State staff has. In it. It's very apparent too, Tim, that they kind of pared the rotation down a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I saw Ty Hamilton in there more. Than, I, like, I like Ty Hamilton. I think he's playing really well. Game. Uh, you saw more JT Tuimolo, Zach Harrison, Jack Sawyer than you did of Tyler Friday, Javante Jean-Baptiste, uh, even the guy that was getting some snaps earlier in the year, Caden Curry. You know, you're starting to see that rotation pared down a little bit, and I think that's on purpose after we, you know, a lot of people asked Ryan Day about it this week. Yeah, uh, but we also don't know, you know, they keep saying things so tight from an injury standpoint oh yeah, or a banged sure. up standpoint. Yep. We also, some of those guys, I'm feeling have been dealing with some things that we're not being made privy to. So, but some maladies, if you Some will. maladies, that's the word I use. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah. okay. Enough well, on by the, the way, bring up, bring up one more name. Uh, Cam Brown had a tremendous game on Saturday. Yes. Now, they weren't facing the Ohio State wide receiver core. <laughs> you don't let's, say. Let's put that on paper, or let's put that out in the airwaves, or wherever this is, digital. Uh, but he had a tremendous game on Saturday, with one exception of one play, and that one play – he was there. He just didn't quite fight up through the ball, you know, like you have to against these big tight ends. You know, y'all kept saying, and you know, rightly so, he got Moss sort of on that play, but he was there uh, and made a great effort to break up that play. That guy made a tremendous catch. Guy was just six inches taller yeah. than him, took it out yeah. of his hands. And it's funny, not funny, haha. It's funny that's one of their two touchdowns. You know what I mean? Uh, and their other touchdown uh, after Reese Stocksdale muffed his second punt uh, down here. It's interesting because Indiana ran a play that I keep expecting Ohio State to run. And I'm trying to remember whether they lined up specifically in that uh, bunch formation out wide or if a guy came from the from the inside out on it. But anyway, the Ohio State safety on that side, now, I'm not going to name a name because it was hard for me to get the number off of watching the video again. They just jumped. They jumped the wide screen. And all the guys, the, 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 the three guys, the one guy stood back for the wide screen. The other two guys ran routes, and the, the guy ran the inside little, little basically quick post cut. Nobody picked up because the guy that was supposed to would have been there for him had jumped the wide screen. I keep waiting for Ohio State to run that exact same play, uh, meaning you take that uh, you take that bunch and explode it like a hand grenade, and guys go everywhere, and the guy's wide open. I think that's coming. <clears throat> 
I think anybody who scouts Ohio State maybe think that's coming, but you still got to jump the widescreen if you think it's happening. But that was a great example of where this Ohio State offense can go. It's just that Indiana ran it and, yeah. uh, and got their second touchdown, well-executed play. So I, I guarantee that sticks in uh, uh, Jim Knowles' crawl a little bit as he watched the video. So we've got Cameron Brown as a, a mention on this. I wrote about Lathan Ransom being a Thorpe Award threat. Uh, I Did we think talk he, about him yet? Not yet, but uh, we've got plenty of week to talk yeah, about him building golly. up. Uh, kind of raved about him on LettermanRow.com. Go check that out right now. But we can't get past this Indiana game without talking about Cameron Babb. Uh, I was asked about him on the radio this morning. It's He's been the talk of the town for the last two days. Um, to see what he's gone through the last few years, Tim, I, I put it in perspective, Tim. He's been rehabbing longer than I've been on the beat, Yeah, uh, which is crazy. I, you know, it's not about me at all. Uh, but I, it just gave me <laughs> it gave me a little perspective of, you You're know, so humble. Go ahead. It gave me a little perspective, Tim, of like, OK, here's how long I've been here. He's been rehabbing yes. for longer than that. So it just allowed Except for like three months a year. Yeah. It just yeah. allowed me to kind of take a step back and realize what he's been through. Andy, you you did a good job, you know, not being around Cameron Babb a lot, but then being able to tell his story. Uh, what did you think? Uh, seeing Cameron Babb and the celebration that Ohio State gave him after his touchdown. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't take long to be around him to kind of get an idea of what kind of person he is and how selfless he is. And he talked about his faith extensively and how much this meant to him to be able to praise God. And, and I think that was all a beautiful moment. And you could just see his teammates. That celebration went well into that Indiana drive. Yeah. And they did not care about the 15-yard penalty, and they should not care at all about that 15-yard penalty. Because kind of a stupid there, – there's times to – throw the flag at yeah, times. I thought to. about that too. It was like, <clears throat> yeah, it wasn't really excessive. It decorum. Was, yeah, it was they got to keep their decorum. Right. Yeah. It was a moment they need to celebrate. And I think it was well-deserved and long awaited. But I think, you know, hey, that was a pretty good route too. I oh yeah. Really yeah. Kind of <laughs> undersell that that was a good play. And the plant leg was the one with the big, you know, the brace. big brace on it. I mean, you're, you're exactly right. Yeah. I, I mean, like, again, he was asked afterwards, like, where do you go from here? I don't know how many snaps he's going to play after this. He might not get another catch in his career, but if, even if he doesn't, that's a moment. And they all talk about this. It's a moment that you're going to always remember. Yeah. And, and I, I got goosebumps as you were just bringing it up because, I mean, you know how much this guy has worked. Uh, <clears throat> you know, and, and then when he and CJ were talking about it after the game, post game, there was a lot. Half of their, maybe three quarters of what they were talking about was just their faith in the Lord, faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, and for some people, that's, you know, that goes in one ear and out the other. For some people, it really strikes home and stuff. But you, what you got to remember about these, about a lot of athletes who have a, a big faith uh, component is there are dark moments. There are dark moments that these guys have, especially guys who are dealing with injury like Cam Babb. I've, I've, I've never been around a situation of a player who, who kept getting knocked down and kept getting up like this guy has. And uh, you gotta have, when you're sitting there all by yourself with like a machine, you know, simulating your leg to, to grow back stronger, you know, after a doctor's put it back together again for the fourth time on uh, your knee, you gotta have something to lean on other than just, I wanna play again. I mean, and you understand where he's going with that. Yep. And uh, and some people take umbrage with that, and, but I totally understand that. Uh, and And, to have two buddies standing there who feel exactly the same way about it, C.J. Stroud and Cam Babb and other guys, every every player came out of that tunnel on Saturday and took a knee down there, an extended knee, 
praying to whatever you know it is they believe and then came on and started the game and this is a brutal game it is and there are so few high moments for so many for so many players that when you see a guy just have that moment it it touches you man one thing that i will remember about that moment is after the press conference with cameron babb and, and cj stroud uh i'd say friend of the show clay hall from abc6 was talking to cameron babb and cj stroud was already done with his media stuff and instead of going back down to the locker room cj stroud right. stood there with cameron babb didn't say a word didn't answer any questions and just allowed cameron babb to have that moment on tv i stood there and watched that i mean and it was it was it was striking i know that this is more about cameron babb than it is cj stroud but that kind of tells you those two in particular that's who they are like it, it's not you know cj you know, thanks God before every press conference, before every time he talks to us, uh, after every pass that he throws even. Um, and that that's not an act. That's not a, you know, no. a show. It, it's real. And it doesn't and, mean you can't have an edge to, about you either. Absolutely. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're no, you're no patsy. So I just think it's really, it was really, really cool moment. Um, and for the people who stuck around in the horseshoe to watch that that butt kicking and then to get rewarded almost by being able to, yeah. to be in that moment with Cameron Babb, uh, I just thought it was awesome. Uh, and I think that'll be the moment of the year, whether this team hoists the CFP trophy or not. Uh, I, I just think that, that you know, that, that's something that people will remember for a really long time, especially Cameron, Cameron Babb, who, who has fought through so much. I, I just, I thought we needed to touch on that before we get on to Maryland. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And uh, it'll be, if they win the national championship, it'll be one of the moments of the year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was... Let's don't get too far over the over the top here, but you're exactly right. And uh, uh, because everybody there has been, we talked about this on Saturday, everybody there, uh, they've elected Cameron Babb a captain and whether he was going to play or not, exactly. Yeah. And whether he was going to play or not was totally up in the air, but it just shows you what kind of an influence he has. Yeah. And uh, that's good to have on your football team. Uh, that's all I got to say about that. So four days from now, we'll head to Maryland. Uh, in between there, we've got plenty of coverage at lettermanrow.com, fellas. Uh, I don't take on Maryland first take on Maryland got beat 30 to nothing on Saturday by Penn State Andy this is an interesting matchup Uh, Michigan obviously welcomes Illinois into the big house this week for their look ahead spot Ohio State's got to go on the road excuse me to College Park for their look ahead spot Uh, is this a opportunity or a you know a chance for Ohio State to slip up How, how are you feeling on this fine Monday morning I don't think it's the trap game at all. And I think Maryland, if you look early in the season and, and you're like, okay, maybe that game down in College Park is going to yes. be a little bit interesting. But if you've watched it all, Maryland the last couple of weeks, I think that this is, I mean, Northwestern played them close. Um, Tim just said Penn State beat them 30 to nothing. I know they'll be at home, but it's not looking like the same Maryland team we saw at the start of the year that was, you know, sniffing around the AP pool. Yeah, neither one of these trap games we were looking at a couple, three weeks ago, Ohio, I mean, Ohio State at Maryland, which is obviously everybody remembers that 2018 game over there. It was crazy. <laughs> the last time Ohio State played over there. Exactly. Uh, and then Michigan-Illinois looked a hell of a lot like a better game two, a couple of weeks ago than it does now. Yep. And uh, – but you still got to take care of it, man. Ohio State's on the road. Uh, when they've had their stumbles, if they've been on the road, uh, we all know that. Heck, I mean, you know, it was a week ago, a week and a half ago, Northwestern. You never know what the weather's going to kick in, what, what's going to be there. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree with Andy. I think Ohio State takes care of business in this game. 
uh, hopefully uh, they take care of their starters too in this game. If in fact they can take care of some business, because you know you're up 40 points on Saturday and you do want to get uh, Cam Babb that touchdown, but you got your starters. You got a Heisman Trophy front runner in the game middle of the fourth quarter. Yeah. That's pretty damn late in a game like that. And I think everybody recognizes that. But uh, C.J. Stroud did get his, let's put it that way. Five yeah. touchdown passes, almost 300 yards passing. So that's the balance here is you, you need to go over there and win. If you win by one, no one cares. If you win by 50, no one cares. I don't know if you well, win here, by one, no one cares. Yeah, people here, care. Listen, this is what this is the- care going on. I guess I can't make a point then. The point no, I'm trying to make, make is- point, but I, 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 the, the point, but nobody's gonna care is, is crazy. We're gonna be asking all kinds of questions. The point I'm just trying to make is if you win, it doesn't matter because you're trying to win to get to Michigan. You know, just win and keep your starters healthy. If you come I back- I understood the point you were making. If you come, if you land back at at uh, John Glenn International Airport with a one point win and all your starters healthy, people are gonna still talk about the Michigan game. No one's gonna talk about the Maryland game. Yeah, but how are they gonna be talking about that Michigan game after you just won by one at Maryland, a team that got beat 30 to nothing the week before at Penn I guess State? Guess I'll just shut up then. Well, exactly. I mean, we're, we're not gonna be sitting there going, oh, all is well. I don't, I, I don't think, I, I, that's not the point I'm making, Tim. The point I'm making is go over to Maryland, get a win and, and keep your starters healthy. And then, you know, roll the helmets out here on the field in the horseshoe. That's all yeah. I'm trying to well, say. Well, here, here's yeah. the point you should have made. And, you know, you and I, we, we go at each other all the time. Absolutely. The point you should have made is uh, if, they get, if they go over to Maryland and win by one, but then they come back here and beat Michigan, no one's going to care about that, Mich about that Maryland game. That's I think that point. was kind of implied. Yeah. Oh, well, oh, yeah. yeah, but it yeah. Okay. Uh, you don't have to agree. That's fine. Um, no, but that's two weeks from now when we'll be going. Who cares about Maryland? Yeah. <laughs> but a week from now, if they get, if they win by one at Maryland, we're all going to be asking questions. I'm telling you. Even Andy. Okay. Right here. F fine. Okay. Stop. We're going to cut this. If they win by 14 and come back home with their starters healthy, no one's going to give a, I agree 100%. a four letter word what they did at Maryland. You got to beat Michigan. Is, is it, everybody fair? Is that fair? Yes. Okay. Sweet. So, yeah, I might have some questions. Maryland, uh, good passing game, bad defense. Um, not really much else to say. Are you intri as intrigued as I am to see about this Ohio State running game the week before Michigan? Absolutely. I mean, that's what we're all probably going to watch is just how well can they run. And also, I want to see who's running the ball for them. Yeah. I want to see, <laughs> is Travion Henderson healthy or is he going to miss his third straight game? I want to see how many carries does Dallin Hayden get. Do they trust him more after this past week's performance where he went over 100 yards and had 19 carries? Is Maya Williams healthy enough to go? How serious is that injury? These are all questions that need to be answered, and I don't know how many answers we'll get at Maryland because a few of those guys could be late scratches, and we might not exactly know what the situation yeah, I was, is. I was going to say, I want to ask you guys a question. What do you <clears throat> Mayan Williams clearly would be better served, you know, if, if he's got a sprained ankle, which I'm understanding that might be the case, would be better served probably not playing this week. Travion Henderson's got that toe toe sprain, foot sprain, he's been dealing with forever, uh, might be better served. Do you think the running back rotation could be Dallin Hayden, uh, 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 Xavier Johnson, who have we, have we even said his name today? Who had a tremendous game on Saturday? Xavier Johnson and Chip Trainum. do you think that could be their, their three backs? Their I, pair and a spare? I absolutely believe that could be the three backs, and I don't think Ohio State would have a, an issue yeah. getting over Maryland with that. Xavier Johnson runs harder than anyone on this roster. Uh, I, I'm okay. Wait, with, harder than mine, Williams? I'm talking about relative to oh, his, oh, oh, really? you know, yeah, because yeah. You, you saw that run. Like, yeah. nobody was stopping 
Xavier Johnson yeah. out there. That was a hard run, and he, he again, he looked like Barry Sanders. Oh my God, uh, it was crazy. So, you know, he's the hardest runner relative to the talent level, yeah. or the, the you. you know, the the acumen on on this roster. I could see him getting 10, 15 carries. Down Hayden, 10, 15 carries. Get Chip Trainum a few carries in case emergency roll. Break glass in if case. Trainum's of, available also. And you got it. And you yeah. know you have to trot him out there against Michigan. And then roll the dice with your best two running backs on the field against Michigan. Mayan Williams is better served, I think, over in the training room at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center on Saturday yeah. afternoon than he is, uh, you know, getting five carries and maybe taking some warm up snaps. I agree, hundred percent. That's why I brought uh, it up in College Park. So. Andy, great point. I am super intrigued to see who runs the ball this week. I think the entire city of Columbus is waiting to see who runs the ball this week. And maybe they're just waiting on the Letterman Row availability report at 9 a.m. on Saturday. Yeah, and also Emeka Igbuko, you know, I think we're all curious about, you know, if he has any long-term. Oh, or I don't mean to cut you off. He did return a punt after that hit, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I'm not sure what what the deal is there, if he was just – if his time was done. Or if, you know, there is something there. But he did return a punt after that hit. Yeah, but I'm just going on what I was hearing, you know, yeah. after the game. I'm not going on, you know, that kind of situation because we've seen guys come back into games and whatever. Uh, but uh, the bottom line is this this is a game. You, this is where I agree with you on one thing. You want to win by more than one. But this is a game you just want to win. Yep. I agree with that. You that's the point that I was Maryland making. You want to turn upside down, make it a W, and, and move on. And that's exactly, that's exactly their intent this week. But I still think they can get some big things done. I think defensively, they, as uh, John Cooper used to say, they scratch where uh, where Maryland itches on offense. I'm I'm really interested to see how uh, this defensive front attacks Maryland because I think it's uh, it's there for the getting, so to speak. We will be there to watch Ohio State try to get it, I guess, against Maryland. Uh, full coverage of that at LettermanRoad.com all week, and then full coverage leading into the game next week, Thanksgiving weekend. That's the 40-year vet, Tim May. That's Andy Backstrom. Fellas, I am cold. I'm ready to be back inside, get, maybe get some coffee in me. So for Andy, for Tim, I'm Spencer. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Head to the Letterman Lounge message board and check out LettermanRoad.com. $10 until next August. New deal on the table, Tim. That's still uh, a hell of a deal. I agree. That's a dollar a, that's, uh, a month? Yeah, that's coverage of... Uh, the game, that's coverage of Big Ten Championship, college football playoff possibly, uh, National Signing Day, spring practice, all the way through, uh, you know, we get into Big Ten Media Days, and then it's August 31st, and so you get the full training camp experience with Letterman Row, and you, get, and you get the Letterman Lounge message board. So $10 for all of that, that's a hell of a deal. Uh, again, Tim, Andy, Spencer, Monday after Ohio State 56, Indiana 14. We'll see you guys in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center on Tuesday for a Ryan Day press conference and the practice report.